0: all right good morning TVC family and friends hey so glad you're here let's turn together to the new testament to hebrews chapter 3 hebrews chapter 3 also want to say welcome and greetings to those who are engaged with us online there's lots of people in the room if you don't know your neighbor just turn to your neighbor and say good morning and if you haven't said good morning to your spouse this would be a good time to do that as well glad, glad you're here. And aren't we thankful for our teachers and all the parents said yes and amen. So I am excited to kick off our Hot Topics series with you. And I want to begin by writing a word on this marker board. And I'm going to write the word and then just in your mind, I want you to interpret it. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to write this word. I apologize already for my penmanship. But I'm going to write this word. Okay. Can you see that? Duck. Okay. Now, some of you, when you interpret this, you thought of an action. But some of you thought of an animal. So when you read the word duck, some of you think of this. No laughing. Thank you, duck. Yes. But some of you, when you read the word duck, you interpreted something maybe like this. That's somebody doing this, right? (laughs) So if you grew up in South Central Arkansas, when you heard the word duck, you're all giddy and got shotgun in hand, right? But if you grew up in inner city Chicago and you heard the word duck, you're not looking up. You're hitting the ground with a bit of anxiety, correct? See, your interpretation of the word duck determines on your context. So the meaning of duck fluctuates depending on your circumstance. So if you grew up in inner city Chicago, you interpret duck as get down. If you grew up in South Central Arkansas, when you hear the word or you read the word duck, you're looking up. Meaning fluctuates depending on the context. This language exercise is an example of what's called deconstruction. Deconstruction. And deconstruction is better described than defined because the French philosopher Derrida, who is known as the father of deconstruction, when he coined the word deconstruction, he on purpose did not define it, he described it. And Derrida does not, did not believe in God. And so for him, there is no fixed Reality. And if there's no fixed reality, there's no God, there's no transcendent, if there's no fixed reality, there is no fixed meanings. No fixed reality, no God, then there's no fixed meanings. Truth fluctuates. And this has obviously impacted philosophy, but it has also impacted. Christianity, and so you have thousands and thousands and thousands of young adults who are beginning to deconstruct their faith, break down their faith because they've been taught or they've been told there's no fixed reality. Truth fluctuates. One deconstructionist, he would say, believe whatever you want to believe. And this is something that's infiltrating the church and our country. I want to introduce you just to a few popular individuals who have grown up in the church and have deconstructed their faith. As you're looking at their pictures, the gentleman at the bottom is Joshua Harris. Many of you maybe have read his book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. He has deconstructed his faith. The the gentleman that has his arms crossed, that's John Steingard. He was the lead singer of a popular Christian band called Hawk Nelson. And he has deconstructed his faith. The duo that you see the picture of, they're Rhett and Link. They're a popular podcast group. They are also the fourth highest paid YouTubers. In 2021, they made $30 million. And in 2000, they deconstructed their faith. This idea of deconstructing your faith is this idea of losing your faith or leaving your faith. And it's becoming very popular in our country. And all these gentlemen that you see, they all grew up in the church. Preachers, kids, church kids. But I want you to understand that deconstruction is not new. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, we're just going to really primarily focus on three verses, but we're going to look at verse, verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there will not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. This idea of deconstructing your faith And how one defines it as losing their faith or leaving their faith or falling away from God, it's not new. It's something we see in this church. And this is just one example in the New Testament. You can also read about Alexander and Hymenaeus who left the faith. You can also hear about a gentleman named Demas. Demas was a fellow worker with the Apostle Paul. But as the Apostle Paul is writing to one of his young disciples, Timothy, he says, Demas has loved this present world and has left me. So deconstruction isn't something new. Now it's trendy, but it's not new. I was in the grocery store and you've done this before. You're walking the aisles and you'll say, you'll see something that says, new look, but same great taste. And when I think about that marketing, how they market that product, that's deconstruction. It's just a new look, but something that's been around for quite some time. And so deconstruction isn't new. It's trendy, but it's not new. But then also look with me at this verse. And, and notice the author in verse 12, he makes time to address the congregation and this temptation of losing or falling away from Your faith he says take care brothers and sisters and so he's addressing the entire congregation old young the spiritually mature maybe the not so spiritually mature the the older Christian the young Christian the rich the poor he's addressing the entire congregation take care brothers and sisters see deconstruction isn't something to avoid but address it's not something to hide from It's not something for the church not to deal with. Just as the author of Hebrews addresses it, we want to be a church, a people of faith that is not looking to avoid the hard question, not looking to avoid someone that's doubting or losing their faith. We want to be people of faith that are here to listen and to address this issue. Because someone who is deconstructing their faith or losing their faith or leaving their faith, they often feel like they're they're a, a problem for the church. One gentleman who has deconstructed his faith, he says he remained silent as he sat in the pews because he felt like he was a difficult and complicated person for the church. And I would say to that man, and I would even say, that to you, if that's how you feel. We all are complicated and difficult. I mean, just probably ask my kids. <laughs> and so maybe you're sitting there and you have been afraid to bring your questions to someone within the church because you're afraid you're gonna be seen as complicated or difficult. It's okay. We wanna make space we want to create space where people can bring their doubts, their fears, their questions about their Christianity, about God. One of the ways we want to do this is by this. We want to, if, if you're there and you want to talk with somebody, you can text the word pastor to the church phone number. And one of our pastors would love to meet with you anytime, any place, over a cup of coffee. Matter of fact, I'm sure Pastor Sherm would love to take you to lunch on his dime. But like the church in Hebrews, we want to make space and we want to address these questions and concerns. Now, I know some in this room are probably thinking, this, this deconstruction stuff, losing your faith, it's not going to happen to me. Look at what the Bible says. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there will not be in any one of you an evil and unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. No one is off limits from falling away from God. Just one example of one of the gentlemen that I showed a picture of. His name is Rhett McLaughlin. Popular YouTuber, podcaster. Rhett grew up in a Christian home. How many of you grew up in a Christian home? I did, yeah. He's like us, he grew up in a Christian home. He had Christian friends. Anybody else have Christian friends? He had Christian friends. They even had a a band together where where they would play these gigs at churches and Christian coffee houses. Rhett went off to college and became heavily involved as a key volunteer in Campus Crusades, which is called Crew. He even went on staff with Campus Crusades, went on an overseas Mission trip. He's read all the Christian books that you and I have probably read. He even he even helped make Christian videos with the creator of VeggieTales. And today, he proudly considers himself an agnostic. And his story is a lot of our stories of growing up in the church, having Christian friends. And so you may say, well, I went to a Christian university or, hey, my kids are in church. This is not gonna happen to me. It's not gonna happen to my family. The author of Hebrews says no one is off limits. No one is off limits when it comes to being tempted and pulled away from the living God. And can I show you what's at stake? What's at stake for someone that's, tempted to leave the faith, someone who's lost their faith? Let's pick it up at verse 13. But encourage one another every day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. So the verse says, we are Christians. We belong to Jesus if we keep the beginning of our commitment firm until the end. We are saved if we stay to the end, through the ups and downs. One is saved if he or she stays to the end. That's what's at stake for someone who's considering leaving their faith, losing their faith. Is this salvation of souls are at stake with this idea, this popular trend of deconstructing our faith, this is what's at stake. This is why it's significant. And so what causes someone to deconstruct, to lose or leave their faith? Well, again, the author of Hebrews helps us. He helps us to see, he says, take care again, brothers and sisters then look at verse 13 but encourage one another every day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin simply put friends sin lies as one pastor said sin exaggerates the benefits and it hides the consequences It exaggerates the benefits, it hides the consequences. And let's take the idea, the habit of porn. Both men and women, old and young struggle with porn. And what does sin do? It lies to us. And it exaggerates the benefits of porn. Oh, you will feel good. And it hides the consequences of what porn does to your mind, what it does to your marriage and how you're involved in this tangled web of maybe sex trafficking because you're supporting that. And this is what sin does, and it deceives us, and it says the deceitfulness of sin it hardens our heart. And our heart, after it's hardened, it becomes evil and unbelieving and falls away from the living God. And so yesterday my daughter was doing an experiment, and so she took the ice ice cube tray and she poured water in it and we put it in the freezer and after time it began to get hard and it became frozen and this is what the author is saying is that sin lies to you in a way that it begins to harden your heart and as it hardens your heart it causes you to turn to, to evil and then eventually unbelief to where you fall away from the living God this is what sin does and it's one of the main causes of deconstruction And there are other causes of deconstruction. If you look at the parable of the sower, it says that the word doesn't doesn't stick because of the anxieties of the world, because someone is in love with wealth, because persecution and affliction come their way and they fall away. But there are also other causes of deconstruction. Sometimes it's a church upbringing. And this may be someone in the room. You, You grew up in church, but something happened and And you felt neglected you felt abandoned we got a question this week about deconstruction and this person put in a question and putting in a question this person just said I made a terrible mistake and I would go to church and I would feel like all the people noticed was my mistake and so I deconstructed my faith and so sometimes it's our upbringing in church that causes us to leave the faith or lose our faith You know, young adults, they they sometimes see contradictions among Christians. They're watching, and, and they see our political fervor, and Sherm's going to talk about politics next week, but young adults, they're seeing our political fervor off the charts, but they're not seeing our spiritual fervor off the charts. But then they think about Jesus, and they see some kind of contradiction, and so it causes them to question the authenticity of Christians. Deconstruction can also be caused because people are wrestling with important theological questions about God or about suffering or about creation. And they stay silent because they don't want to be a project for the church and they lose or leave their faith. And there are major consequences of deconstruction. The story of Red. I remember listening to his story and he talked about how the, the, the church to him was this boat that the church was on and people were on this boat together, doing life together and they had direction and vision and purpose. And he said, but I saw myself jumping ship into, he says this, a sea of uncertainty and I took my wife and my kids with me. This is what deconstruction does to people. It creates uncertainty and anxiety because they have no hope. They're jumping into a sea of uncertainty. And maybe you're wrestling with deconstruction and that's how you feel. You feel like you don't have a foundation or the foundation is falling underneath you. So those are some of the causes. But what about the cure? Again, the Bible's really clear about the cure of deconstruction, those falling away from God, those losing their faith. Verse 13, I love this. It's gonna surprise you because it's probably not what you think. But encourage one another every day. As long as it is still called today, why? Why do we encourage one another every day? So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Five words the cure for deconstruction. Encourage one another every day. I love that. We can all do that. That word encourage means to come along someone and instill in them courage. And that's our role as people of faith. So if you have questions about creation and God, I'm supposed to encourage you. If you've got questions and doubts about your salvation or about suffering, my role is to encourage you. And so what does it look like to encourage one another? Well, I think we can take a cue from journey and that is don't stop believing. Well, I've got got this doubt, don't stop believing. What about this, don't stop believing? Well, I've got this problem in my life, don't stop believing. That's our role, that's the opportunity, that's the cure. Encourage one another every day. That's the cure to deconstruction. Don't give up. Keep going. I'm here for you. And why should we encourage one another every day? Because every day we are being lied to. Every single day we are being lied to. Disney is telling us that the biblical way of marriage and sexuality is not correct. There's another way universities and colleges they're teaching us to deny that the god of the bible is the creator of the universe aarp they're telling you to just hey you've worked hard your whole life sit back kick your feet up and just coast the rest of the way advertisers and companies are are trying to to get you to to buy into that, that, that your appearance is based on and your worth is based on you buying or wearing their product, not because you're made in the image of God. Every single day we are being lied to. And these lies, if we're not careful, will cause our hearts to be hardened. And parents, if I could just plead with you, As a fellow parent, we must wake up and pay attention because people are out to deceive and lie to our children and our teenagers and lead them astray. It's interesting when you listen to those who've fully deconstructed their faith and they've lost their faith or they're losing their faith. They have this way of enticing and pulling people along. And let me just share one one quote from someone who's deconstructed their faith and and, and shares and and notice just how enticing and how, oh, that feels good. Notice what he says. If God exists or however God exists, I just can't believe that me being open and sincere and as loving as possible and as honest as possible is disqualifying me for receiving God's love. I just can't accept that. And so when you hear words and paragraphs and you hear someone sharing their story like that, all of a sudden our teenagers and our young adults begin to relate to that. And next thing you know, they're being led astray. So parents, wake up. Pay attention to what your student is watching online, what they're reading online. Pay attention and encourage him or her every day, every day. So why should we encourage one another every day? Because every single day we're being lied to. We should also encourage one another every day because there is a tendency for us as people of faith, to not prioritize the gathering of God's people. And it's not just a temptation today, it was a temptation for the church back then. A few chapters after chapter 3, the author of Hebrews is going to speak to this tendency, and notice what he says in chapter 10, verse 23. He says, let us hold firmly to the confession of our faith, our hope, without wavering. For he who promises is faithful. Let us consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as in the habit of some people. So even the early church, they were getting into the habit of not gathering together. And that tendency, when we don't gather together, we are easily, more easily led astray. We are more easily misled. And this happens to me when I go to the airport by myself. I've been to the airport by myself twice. And every time it happens, I get lost. And I typically have to end up on the phone with my wife. You can ask her. This last time I somehow found my way past the airport. I grew up in East Texas where to get to Walmart was like, take a right and then take a left. And now I'm in the Metroplex and you've got all these numbers and you've got to pay attention to this sign and that sign and this number. And so sometimes I get lost. And so going to the airport by myself, I often get misled and get distracted. and in but But I found myself, that happened to me just last month. And so I have to call my wife and, hey, how do I figure this out? But when I'm with my wife, she has very good direction. And as long as I'm with her, I get to the airport. But by myself, I get misled. And this is the way it is for many Christians. When we are by ourselves, we can't find where we're supposed to go. We get distracted. We get lost. We get misled. But when we are together, when we are together, we are less likely to be misled. And so we must encourage one another every day to meet together. And one of the ways to do this is groups. And groups. And you may say, well, I'm not in a group. Well, find a group. Well, I can't find a group. Start a group. Pastor Chris will help you. We have adult Bible studies that meet this very hour. And these are great, great opportunities, great vehicles for you to be in a small group where you can practice this of being encouraged and encouraging one another every day. And this, my friends, is the cure for deconstruction encourage one another every day don't stop believing and i want to encourage you by sharing with you a testimony from one of our very own
1: my name is laura weber my husband and i started coming to tbc last august i grew up in the church my family went to a church of christ church I grew up going Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, church camps, retreats, all of that. My parents weren't too stoked about carrying out their Christian faith in a evangelistic type way. We just didn't really have a lot of like talks about feelings and faith and spirituality. Those were mostly had with my grandparents. They were always so welcoming to me and they found it really, really important to share their faith and their spirituality with me and teach me that. As I got into high school I started making some pretty adult mistakes that I was pretty ashamed of and the culture of the people around me was less about grace and more about being more like Jesus which is incredibly impossible. I could never live up to it and I think uh, when I went to college um, at a Christian University I was offered an alternate reality of Basically, I'm God. If we're all just bacteria on this earth and a rock spinning in the middle of nowhere, what does it matter? I might as well just be in charge of my life and then there's no shame. (laughs) I remember saying that like, there's no way I can ever flip back. There's no way. I already know that God isn't real and that it's all just a big old story to control people and there's no way I'll ever turn back. There were some amazing things that happened in my life during that time. You know, I had my son who's eight and he is the greatest gift. And I think him coming into my life made me want to start seeking what was true. In 2017, uh, I got a divorce and it was life shattering. I was just very, very lost, very, very broken. I was very proud to be an atheist at that point. I was surrounded by a bunch of other people that were like-minded and I uh, met TJ my now-husband during that time, and he was raised Catholic, you know, going to church and whatnot. I uh, found peace and knowing he wasn't gonna judge me for the way I thought, and I wasn't gonna judge him, and we were just gonna live life, you know, not get married, but like like partners, you know? We'd we gone through several phases. I mean, we went through our, like, we we think crystals have powers phase. We went through tarot cards and psychics and, you know, all this kind of, like, other thing to try to find meaning in life and then somehow we settled in homesteading like we we're like let's get some chickens and a big giant garden and we're gonna make the most of this like urban farming type thing we started watching youtubers that they're just this older couple that have this homestead and at the end of every episode they say this little prayer and at first it made me want to puke because their videos were so educational i had to watch it And I don't know what happened, but that little prayer at the end grew on TJ and me. It was like, I saw evil in contrast to the sweetness and the kindness of this humble family. And you know, I just, I loved it. So I'm like, TJ, do you have a Bible? He's like, yeah, somewhere up in the attic, I'll go get it. So he got it down and I started reading it. And I'm like, I think I'm gonna kind of get into Jesus, TJ. I think I'm gonna look into it. So every night, you know, we'd sit on the porch and I'd tell him what I read about in the Bible that day. It was like a week later, he's like, we gotta find a church, I'm with you, we're all in. (laughs) Our lives changed in ways that can't be explained. You know, we found this church through a YouTube video and it was just like, we only had to try one church. We had been looking for a house for years and TJ was at church, I was on a um, trip with my mom and God told him like, hey dude, you're not gonna get a house until you get married. So he went to an open house after church down the way. And we got the house and TJ's like, we have to get married in two weeks. I made a pact with God that we'd get married before we move into this house. So get ready, find a dress, you know? So we got married in the backyard of the house and then moved in that night. And that was our first night in the house. Our love has just been so strong and we really value the covenant of our marriage. Watching my son learn about the Bible and God and Jesus grace you know i mean it's awesome it's a really scary place to be to be sitting next to your family having all of these questions and these doubts or to even be a wholehearted believer parent knowing that your child is going through this to the person struggling right now i'd say just keep seeking the truth keep seeking love god is love and you know i think that's what we're all trying to find whether it's in you know crystal powers or yoga or personal development books you know all these things we're seeking love we're seeking real true raw beautiful love and you can keep seeking and seeking it but in my experience and i know i know it's true real love comes from god just tap into it and and ask to understand it more and it It will stack up eons outside and above any of this earthly, worldly searching for that, to seek for truth and love.
0: Thankful for Laura sharing her story. And so church, my challenge to us as a people of faith is may we encourage one another every day. And for the one that is among us that is doubting their faith, has lost their faith or in the process of maybe losing your faith, can I just encourage you, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Would you please stand as we sing this great hymn of how God himself holds us He holds us fast. Would you please pray with me? Our great God and loving Father, we thank you for the story of Laura and how you never let her go, how you held her fast. And so if there's a young man, a young girl in our midst, or an old man, an old woman in our midst. Father, would you help them to understand that you are holding on to them. Your word promises that. And Father, help us to be a church, a welcoming, loving, caring church. A church that welcomes one another because you and Jesus Christ have welcomed us. So thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.